Hey guys, Justin here real quick off the top. Uh, of course, as uh, wrestling never sleeps and news is always happening, big news broke uh, pretty well right after we finished recording this episode. Britt Baker looks to have a torn ACL, blew out her knee in the women's tag match on Dynamite on Wednesday. And the, her match with Chris Statlander set for the pay-per-view on Saturday night at Double or Nothing Likely canceled, not officially as of yet, but that seems to be the direction this thing is heading. Britt is in no condition to work a match. Very unfortunate. I'm heartbroken. She's one of my favorite people in wrestling right now. Um, but yeah, uh, we do a full preview of Double or Nothing on this episode, including the match that is now canceled. We will talk about Britt's injury next week. But uh, yeah, very unfortunate. Anyway, with that out of the way, enjoy the show! <laughs> the phrase straight up wrestling match really that hard for people to comprehend charlie this is the wwe wwe stands for world wrestling entertainment wrestling is the basis of what we do of everything we do we enter this ring so that one day we can perform at wrestlemania and at wrestlemania Edge and I, we tore each other apart. We tore this building apart in a last man standing match. And although it pains me to say this, on that night, Edge was the better man. But I know deep inside my gut, without a shadow of a doubt, that Edge is not the superior wrestler. I am. And I intend to prove it. But I don't need tables, I don't need ladders, I don't need chairs, I don't need to be the last man standing. All I need is this ring and a referee. Now Edge, I know why you didn't accept my challenge last Monday night on Raw. I saw it written all over your face. I saw it in your eyes. You wanna know what I saw? Doubt. I saw doubt. Your grit and passion has faded away. It's gone. And what once was grit and passion is now just doubt. Yeah, you stand there with that stupid smug smirk. This is just a paycheck to you. Are you done? Shut, Shut your mouth. You don't love the sport like I do, like the rest of that locker room does. You can say it until- No, 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 no. Are you gonna accept my challenge or what? Stop it, shut your mouth! Yes, it's just yes! I accept your damn challenge! Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses, Josh Custodio. Light them up if you got them, J-Mo. I'm saying this as I'm lighting a candle. <laughs> get a little good smell going in the room. Yeah, get a nice, uh, this one is uh, tobacco and something, I think. Oh, that seems like a weird smell to want in your candle, I think. Like, typically yeah. you're, you're trying to get a scent uh, in your apartment to make it not smell like tobacco. Know what I'm saying, <laughs> folks? Yeah, I know what you're saying, Justin. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, this is tobacco and oak. I, I guess now that you say it, but I don't know. It's a nice smelling candle. Yeah, so, true. Uh, I mean, I, like, I don't even know what goes into making a good smell. 
Like, I think the one that I liked quite a bit when I lived with a girl who bought scented candles was, like, sandalwood and also something else. And I don't oh, even yeah. know what sandalwood is. So, uh, you I, know, I couldn't <laughs> tell you. It's funny you say that because I only know sandalwood as a scent. Yeah. I don't know what it is besides they use it in the smell of things. And I like, guess it's a wood? Yeah, who's even wearing wooden sandals? Like, yeah, this is... The Japanese, maybe? Hang on. We, we got to stay on this. This is the <laughs> podcast. If you were hoping for a double or nothing review, if you were hoping to hear our thoughts on last night's Dynamite, Raw, who knows, we have terrible luck for you. We got to figure out who was wearing sandals made of wood. <laughs> yeah. But, and how could they smell good? Sabu, possibly? Like, was he? Maybe Sabu. Yeah. He seems like <laughs> if, the guy who was, like, doing a, a fake ethnic thing, you know? Like, he might be a wrestler who uh, was wearing wait, wooden what do you sandals. Mean fake? What do you mean? Okay, yeah, of all wrestlers, is he most likely to be wearing wooden sandals? I'm kind of with you here, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think probably. But <laughs> isn't he, like, me. from New Jersey or something? He's <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, like, no, no, Iranian. Sab- Sab- <laughs> no, Sab- Sabu's from the, the eastern United States. But but he hears theme music, and you definitely wouldn't think so. That's uh, that, that's for sure. Madman, yeah, of course. I, th- I thought I'd stepped in it for a moment there. When no, like, no. What do you mean, fake ethnic? I was like, oh, am I about to be canceled here? <laughs> I'm just I'm eager to get back at you for uh, me getting canceled on the show a couple years ago. Of course, uh, I'm trying to get back at you to cancel you on the program. Yes, and of course, if you were to get canceled again, uh, it's not like we could just enlist your cousin Gary Custodio no. to host in your place because, of course, we all know Gary unfortunately died several yeah. years ago. It's weird that I'm able to laugh about it now all this time later, but it is weird that my cousin, who of course guest hosted the show when I was canceled, Gary. Is dead, so we're ready to get canceled again. There's no, there's no, there's no second gear. I know my cousin Kevin doesn't know anything about wrestling. Yeah, I know it sounds like I'm chuckling over here, but I, I swear <laughs> I'm crying for Gary, my good friend, who I did two episodes of Top Marks with. Well, I got we're, we're on stream right now, JMO. It does. It looks like you have tears in your eyes. Yeah, that's, I, did, uh, I, I sure that's, do, but that's from missing Gary. <laughs> yes, that's how to understand this, JMO. This is not not a podcast, of course. About uh, the the late great Gary Custodio, nor about Sandalwood. It is, of course, the world's greatest wrestling podcast. It's top marks, JMO, and uh, so much to cover as we enter sort of the the big event of uh, of this quarter. You know, WrestleMania happened, but there wasn't a big pay per view. They were they were never saying come buy this product. Mm-hmm. It was it was people who were already subscribing. We were about to find out if pro wrestling can sell in the empty arena era. Uh, the double or nothing, of course, this Saturday. We'll be doing a full breakdown, but I'd like to talk about some things on the way there, JMO. Does that sound fun to you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I I do have a, a suspicion that this is a show that's not going to do a ton of buys, just because I you know. I don't get the feeling that people have a ton of money to spend on it, right. which is something that you and I have already talked about in the last couple weeks here. But I am curious because like, if there is one thing that AEW has had going for it all along, it's that like it has been able to capitalize on its diehard fans much better than even WWE has really, right? Like, you well, know- it, has a lot more, it has a lot more fan goodwill to pull from. Yes, and, and but you know this company was founded on the basis that like we have enough diehards who are fully bought in on 
you know, the the elite guys of Bullet Club that they will follow us anywhere and spend money on anything we want to do because that's basically what had <laughs> been happening. Their shirts were selling out everywhere. They sold out, uh, you know, the Sears Center in Chicago in 27 minutes. I was going to say, All In was the the proof. The All In was the they hypothesized they could and All In was the, well, we can. Yeah, and I, I think, like, if you, even if you go back over the last year, you and I had questions about, like, how even normal pay-per-views were going to do for AEW under ordinary circumstances because wrestling uh, in the network era has just shied away from pay-per-view in general you know it's not like it's not like impacts pay-per-views are doing huge bank or anything like that I mean they're still <laughs> doing them obviously and so is Ring of Honor but uh, you know it, I think these shows have done better than people would have thought they would I think and it, yeah, I it, think I think they take over social in a way that companies really like. Like it's easy to occupy the online world with an event right now. Yeah, and it's just going to be interesting to see if that carries over into the quarantine era. And um, you know, as much as I am inclined to say that it won't, because I am a broke person who does not have money to spend on this this week, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to do as badly as we think. At the same time, I just think there is there are a certain number of marks with money who are willing to follow this company wherever they go. I got to take it back two steps here, JMO. TNA is still putting on pay-per-views. If TNA Impact were to put on a pay-per-view right now during the empty arena era, 1,750 buys. Does it, does it go north or south of that number? 1,750? Yes. I'm going to say north. <laughs> I don't think you get 2,000 people putting 30 bucks out for Impact. I don't. You might be right about that, but I, yeah. I don't know, especially now that they're like their own thing. They own their own network, all that it, stuff. It's a oh, weird time. It, just, it, it couldn't be weirder. You, you know, I keep saying this, and if one of our listeners wants to do this, go ahead. There is there is an amazing TNA podcast to be done. There is there is TNA. People think WCW is interesting or the fall of ECW is interesting. Mm-hmm. TNA's story is 400 times more off the wall than, than any of those companies. Well, think about the fact that TNA has existed for longer than WCW. Oh, yeah. That's and, insane. It, 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 think of the talent that's gone through their doors. CM Punk, Okada, the Young Bucks, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Like, Can I can I tell you something, Josh? Uh, yeah, I hope you do. I would like it if you did. I actually watched Impact's television last night. I don't believe you. No one's ever done that. <laughs> I did. I, I uh, Hang on. On purpose you did that? Yeah, this? I was hanging out with my neighbor, and right. uh, she's a listener of this show, actually, Danny Huntley. And uh, we were looking for something to watch after we had finished uh, the Owen Hart episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, and so we found tears and needed some eye bleach. Exactly. I, we found uh, Impact Wrestling on the Fight Network, and when we put oh. it on... Neither of us thought it was new. Like, we both were of the mind that this had to be from some bygone era, in part because sad. Moose was carrying the TNA title and not the Impact Championship, so that alone. But I know they've been doing a lot of throwback TNA stuff lately, leaning into their past as well. You'd think the dead giveaway that it would be current-day television would be the fact that it was in an empty studio with no audience, but uh, I was also kind of <laughs> just, just like, TNA. yeah, that could just be TNA. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that be, makes total sense yeah, to they're me. They're at Hamilton on Thursday for, for 30 people at the rec center, and it's yeah. on television. I, I, um, I saw two matches on their television. Can I tell you something funny about both of them? 
Yeah, yeah. One guy was in both of the matches. <laughs> TJP was in a tag match with his huge. Uh, this uh, is real. Fat guy sumo re- partner in the tag team that he's in, okay. or whatever. I think his name's Fala or something. I can't remember. Wait, um, they got a big guy named Fala. Uh, something like that, or maybe Sala. I don't remember. Does he look like Fale? Uh, much heavier than Bad oh. Luck Fale, Ooh. and, and okay. shorter also. He's a <laughs> wide shorter? fellow. He's like a fridge, basically. TJ okay, he was on. tagging he's... with a fridge. I know this isn't isn't where you were hoping to take this, but yeah. unfortunately, it was where we found ourselves. Okay, this guy sounds dope. Who was this guy? He actually is pretty cool. I, I... I knew it. <laughs> I knew this guy would be cool. <laughs> You're telling me he's like five foot six, maybe north of three hundred pounds in wrestling? Oh, oh, big time! Absolutely north of three hundred pounds. Okay, this but, guy sounds incredible. Okay, so TJP is in a tag match when we tune in, and then the, the very next match is Moose defending his TNA World Championship against Suicide, who is also <laughs> TJP. Hang on, did they acknowledge that it's TJP under the mask? No, never at any point. <laughs> This is real? Yes. He was See, this in ba- is what I'm talking about. He was in this back-to-back is... matches. They are so, I guess, hard done by in the <laughs> COVID quarantine era. They had to get TJP to pull double duty as two oh. characters in consecutive matches. <laughs> I hadn't even considered that in TNA he could use his old TNA gimmick. Yeah. I, that had never even occurred. That's how much the suicide gimmick is worth in my mind. That it's like, oh, TJP's going to impact? Good for him. Doesn't well, even cross my mind. Well, what really threw us off was we looked at the, the info on the cable box and it said the original air date was 2003. And I was oh, that's like, when like impact started. I was like, that can't be right. Like TJP didn't even go by TJP until after he left WWE, or no, WWE listen, made that his name. You know, you can't be blamed for this either. By the way, because they were doing that thing for a while. They don't do this anymore. But where they were still showing filmed footage of people who debuted on WWE television. So there was a point when EC3 got called up to the main roster, but was still being shown on like throwback Impact shows that yes. were still on their new weekly. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like you didn't have reason to question what was going on here. Like they've done that before. Yeah. No. But it, it was definitely this week's television, and it was it kind of bizarre. I hope TJP is getting paid double, although he seems like a bit of a nuthead, so I hope he's getting paid half. Maybe. I mean, I did. I thought he was a great interview subject. I oh, had a yeah. wonderful time uh, talking to him, that, actually. But then, no, you're <laughs> right, because his internet presence is, like, ghastly. He retweets and says things on Twitter that I find to be abominable. But I did like talking to him, so there's that. Yeah, I guess you know. And and, and uh, how often do I reference that spot him and Grand Metalik do the rod to the outside? Oh, so it's maybe, amazing! It's an amazing spot. So you know what? Maybe maybe I was too quick to judge old uh, Theodore Jones Perkins. Um, <laughs> would you say? Would you, did any part of watching two matches of Impact, even though they had the same wrestler in it, make you want to go back and watch more Impact? Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. So. Not at all. <laughs> Who? Okay, but so it also Moose... seemed like completely unaffected by having no crowd. That's the other part of it to me. <laughs> like, you know, when you watch WWE, you're like, wow, this is dead silent. This is like sterile and weird. <laughs> I watched Impact, exact same thing, felt totally normal. It's like how Bane can't beat Bar- Batman in, or how Batman can't beat Bane in the darkness because he was born there, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's the old hat. You merely adopted having no crowds. <laughs> I was born in it. Thank you very much. You know, it's so funny. I started this show by being like, you know, there's we can't not. It's very us. to. We're going to have to rush the Dynamite preview because I we had to know more about Impact on Friday well, only to riff on how shitty it is. I mean, I haven't even, speaking of shitty, I haven't even talked about what I thought we were going to say 
segue to from your candle smells covering up bad smells. I, I'm dying to talk about this. Can we talk about this on the show? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do All we right. want to get into it now or should we save it for later? Save it for later. You're okay, right. okay, we'll, okay, we'll save okay. it for later. You're okay. right. We're, 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 uh, when we get into gonna... the mailbag portion, I'll talk about uh, the poop bandit who's been running wild in my apartment building. Yeah, no giveaways, but JMO's got a <laughs> shitty situation going on. Madman, we got to talk about, uh, before we praise the WWE, because I thought uh, Monday Night Raw did some good things this week, if I'm I being thought, honest. I thought it was excellent, honestly. And I thought that, you know, my big takeaway message from how good Raw was this week was that you and I could have been booking Raw well all along, because everything yeah. that they did well this week are things that we have harped on on this show constantly over the years. Like, we knew what was missing all along, and finally Monday had it all. I love being right. But first, let's shit all over them and dump some cold water, because they released Drew Gulak this week, J-Mo, a guy who I think both of us hold in uh, reasonably high esteem, or at least think has certainly a place on that roster. Was this one a surprise to you? Oh, big time. And it's not like he was released in the same way that people were let go a month ago. You know, uh, his contract hit its expiration point. He was pretty confident that they were going to re-sign him. They wanted to re-sign him. Uh, he asked for a raise. And why wouldn't you ask for a raise when you're a guy who's been on 205 Live for three fucking years Yeah, <laughs> and have gone from 205 Live regular to SmackDown Live regular, you know, partner of Daniel Bryan, a guy who is bringing a lot to the table as far as entertainment value on the television. Why wouldn't you ask to be, uh, you know, given a little bit of a pay raise relative to what you were making on 205? That makes natural sense to me. Uh, WWE decided to shut down negotiations at that point, and uh, Drew Gulak was allowed to walk from the company with no 90-day non-compete clause in his contract. So technically, he could be the mystery appearant uh, in the, uh, you know, casino ladder match at Double or Nothing this Saturday. We do know that there is a mystery slot open there. It could very well be like Rusev as well, but... I wouldn't be surprised if, if Drew Gulak finds his way uh, over to AEW. He certainly has a lot of friends there. You, you know what was weird to me about letting go of Drew Gulak? It came off of his best match ever in the company? Yeah. That, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I could not possibly understand. I've never seen it where it's like, oh, let's put him in a barn burner two-segmenter with Daniel Bryan where they don't throw a single strike and just grapple all over one another and do the damn thing on television, and then release him hours later. I couldn't wrap my brain around that. Yeah, man. And, like, what did we talk about when it came to reviewing Money in the Bank last week? That, I like, don't know. So much. That, that like, I don't even know what makes a good match anymore in the quarantine sure. era. You yeah. know, like, you can have a barn burner, but is it enough to be memorable? Am I going to be thinking about that SmackDown tag match in a month? Am I going to be thinking about Seth versus Drew when it comes to, you know, making our picks at the end of the year? Are those matches memorable enough to stay with you? And I don't think they are, necessarily. No, I agree with you. I, I think almost without exception, no. That grapple match, that no strikes thrown whatsoever... Like, that is, the, that is the kind of uniqueness, that is the kind of uh, creativity and originality that is going to stick with me. You know, I am going to remember that match at the end of the year. That is a match that stands out significantly in the quarantine era. And uh, for him to just walk immediately afterwards, you know, there was a big part of me that was hoping he was going to show up on Dynamite last night. Just because I don't know that there's ever going to be another time in this you know, a uh, two-show rivalry company era where you're going to get an opportunity for a guy to, uh, to jump from one show to another in the span of five days because 
it is going to be extremely rare for someone to be in Drew's position where you don't have a 90-day non-compete. And, um, you know, maybe he does end up with WWE out of all this in the end anyways. Maybe he's not done with the company. But, you know, the the way that he and Daniel kind of had their farewells at the end of that match, uh, Brian shaking his hand and thanking him for making him better, that feels like a goodbye to me. Uh, that feels like yeah. he's leaving. It absolutely did to me. I, yeah, I, that's what I suspect. And Daniel even saying uh, something to the extent there, it's like, thank you, I learned so much from you, I think was the exact line, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't even name him in their own tweets on uh, the WWE Twitter account. They said Daniel you know, Bryan had a, an excellent match with his sparring partner or something terrible. like that. Uh, you know, it is weird, though. I just shit all over TNA for it. But Daniel Bryan is so good that maybe you have him wrestle a couple times a show if you want to make some things memorable. Yeah, maybe, make maybe him we... into the American Dragon as like a yeah. lucha character. Give him an American Dragon mask. He wrestles on Raw. He wrestles on SmackDown. We we make some things memorable. But I think Drew Gulak's going to land on his feet. If I'm a federation of, of medium size, if I'm a ring of honor, I'm looking at Drew Gulak to be my trainer. He was it for Shikara forever. I don't know if you saw uh, all the Shikara regulars, Mike Quackenbush, Dustin, um, uh, Orange Cassidy, all being very, uh, very, very complimentary of, of Drew Gulak after release and saying how critical he was to their journey. I thought that was really nice. I think on camera working, you forget his early 205 run, what, what great mic work he was doing there, too. He could easily be a manager for one of these shows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like Kimberly uh, yeah. is, is a trainee of Drew Gulak, and I remember them having a very... Uh, emotional moment when she was in the the May Young Classic and him tweeting about how proud he was of her as a student. Um, you know, uh, I, I do think he should be an on screen character though. Like I do, I do sure. believe Josh that WWE doesn't know the extent of the talent that they just let go. You know? I want to be clear. I, I think he should be as well. I'm only saying his value to a company is so is, large. Is beyond he can, that, he can have his hand in. If you need to bring in one guy under salary who can book who can train, who can work, who can talk, who can manage. You're getting it all with Drew Gulak. Oh, absolutely, and he can go in the ring as well. I've been a big fan of his for basically the entire uh, 205 run. I wasn't necessarily familiar with him uh, from his indie stuff, from his Shikara stuff like prior to uh, joining the Cruiserweight division with WWE, but to me he's always been a standout of that division, and, it, and I was shocked that it took him like two and a half years before he was finally – handed the ball to run as the top guy of that division, as the top guy on that show, you know? Like, we got to see uh, one of the better matches, one of the better feuds of uh, the that era of 205 when we were in Toronto, you know? I, I don't yeah, necessarily sure. know that him and Oni had the match that they wanted to at the pay-per-view, but they had a rematch on 205 on the Tuesday night. I remember uh, that that night, you know, that was still the era where uh, WWE was going Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and your boy went to all four shows in a row. I think they call that the impossible to podcast era. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, not that this era is much easier necessarily. Well, it is because we just ignore SmackDown. That's, <laughs> That's what we do. It's like we talk a little <laughs> bit about it and we saw it a week later. That's... I don't yeah. know how else we're supposed to do it. That's true. That's true. But, you know, technically, he got the last match, as far as what was televised, of that entire weekend. And I thought it was one of the better matches of the weekend was Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan. Because, like, I'm invested in the personalities of both of those guys. I'm invested in the ring work of both of those guys. It was super fun. 
Uh, now, Drew, uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan got a dark match against Heavy Machinery uh, after that was over. So that was technically the last thing of that entire weekend. But, you know, uh, Drew and Oni put on a show, and, and that guy's really, really talented, and he's going to do well wherever he ends up. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't want to stay on this for, for too long here, JMO, but I do want to bring up on the show, and Drew Gulak's a nice a nice uh, segue here as he spent time with the promotion and was a, a high-end guy for them. You see any of the news leaking out of CZW this week? Combat oh, Zone Wrestling? yeah, real bad, man. Ooh, boy, howdy. So for those of you who are uh, a little bit out of the loop, uh, a referee and numerous others have been sort of outing czw this week sort of spurned from joey janela replying to dj hyde the owner on uh, twitter a couple weeks back saying you know something to the effect of shut the fuck up until you know how to run a promotion you creep uh then uh czw announces that they're gonna run this pay-per-view that is primarily adult film actresses cat fighting and hair pulling i think is sort of the poll well they had the- taken all their old shows and licensed them to an, an outside company yeah WHL or something i actually didn't look what the uh the acronym was but some sort of adult entertainment company yeah and uh what's his name dj hyde yeah dj hyde his defense was that like well they've paid the rights to have those things and now that it's it, it's under their control i can't do anything it's okay. like you you gave away like the control of your own company like CZW <laughs> should still be able to control what their shows are called like and, Jesus and listen there, there's no one on earth who wants to hear me go to the weeds about this I've just been on the CZW internet for a while but it's like DJ Hyde has been well known as like not not forget about a creep and all these things that are coming out that stuff sort of been out there but as like a useless nincompoop oh like, dude well publicized one of the things that I saw over the last couple of days was a photo that was posted uh, on the Instagram of Penelope Ford to celebrate like how far she'd come in wrestling and one of the first photos that she posted of like her you know early days to later days the early days photo is like a match that seems to be taking place like in someone's apartment or something <laughs> for CZW and DJ is in the background you know taking photos but he's really just like staring at Penelope's ass the entire time and it's that uh, sounds... he looks like a gross pervert he looks like a disgusting freak yeah that's basically in line with with everything <laughs> i know about him but listen it's it's a little sad for me especially i, I wasn't aware of this i don't know if you saw MJF's reply uh, I'm forgetting the referee's name. I'll say it on the show here. I'll look it up during a break. But Bryce uh, Remsburg, maybe? I I don't think so. That he okay. crossed my mind, but I don't think it is him, which is why I'm struggling. Alex something, maybe? But okay. regardless. I, I don't know. MJF was from AEW, of course. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman uh, replied saying, don't forget about the racism and anti-Semitism as well. So, uh Whole lot of bad stuff. We'll continue watching that meltdown. Uh, yeah, I, meltdown May is really delivering this year. I gotta say, you're not kidding. Uh, the, I have some weird things about like CZW. Something you know, I've gotten a lot of joy and watched a lot of that early stuff. It's 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 really really disheartening to to hear about this shit. You I know? mean, like that's the original landing spot of you know John Moxley. Is it not? Like I think that's where oh. Mox comes on your radar in particular. For sure. Oh, uh, Mox, Gulak, Cesaro. Um, Oh, str- Janella, Gage, Tremont, uh, uh, Alex Zane recently from GCW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pl- uh, uh, G. Raver, plenty of wrestlers I like. Uh, first time I saw them was in, in CZW. So, uh, 
Yeah, I thought it was just worth bringing up on the show as, no, uh, as the meltdown continues. Yeah, it's a bad look, and uh, it's a you know I don't think anyone believes him when he said like, "Oh, I tried to make them not do this, and they wouldn't listen to me." It's like it's your fucking company. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, even with that, like all this other stuff coming out is just uh, you know yes. abhorrent. Yes. Man, man, we gotta we gotta tip the cap to WWE a little bit. I thought the Red Brand had a nice one on Monday. It sure did, man. Like that might be the single best episode of television that any company has had this year. And maybe, maybe that's not think... entirely true. Maybe, uh, maybe Dynamite has been better. Um, yeah, like I pre-quarantine. think pre-quarantine because Dynamite was on a real heater from mid-January into February, certainly. Yeah, I would entertain what you said there for the the quarantine area, but yeah, some of those dynamites when they're really humming along, I think are still sort of the gold standard for TV this year for me. I just thought this was a great show, and you know why it was? Is that like there was nobody on that episode of Raw just to be on it. Every yes. single person was a character. Every it, single character yes. had motivations. You knew what was at stake for everyone. Uh, you know, even the even the repetitive television matches that we've seen a few times now, like a, a Charlotte versus Ruby Riot yeah. or or uh, a Shayna Baszler versus Natalia, the people who are on the losing end of those matches uh, and are going to be on the losing end every single time you do that on TV, like we're fighting desperately. You could t- there was a different uh, uh, style in their wrestling. You know, they were looking for pinfalls because they knew uh, a win is much needed for them at this point uh, in this feud and in their career. Like everybody had motivations. Every single character was doing things for believable reasons and they were also doing things, Josh. Like how often do we talk about the need for WWE to demonstrate character traits through action instead of through promos. You well, know? constantly, and I, and I do think you nailed it there. If I could just hone in on one thing specifically, though, I felt like even the the lower card people, it's like, oh, they're, they're involved in something. <laughs> we're, we're not out here to, to take a pin and go away. It's like, oh, look at this. Here's Apollo Crews, you know? Um, I don't know. It, Apollo it Crews nice. showing fire, showing personality. Yeah. Like... Everybody being aggressive and going after what they want. Like, you you could see who every character on that show was. Like, even a guy like Buddy Murphy is watching uh, Austin Theory getting welcomed into the Disciples and is raising an eyebrow at, like, oh, am I not good enough that you need to go out and get another guy, too? Everybody had clear motivations. You could see it on their faces. The acting was good across the board on this show. Like, you know... I just thought it was I thought it was great. And and you know uh, our our friend of the show former roommate of the show Mike Noble was like I don't want to give them too much credit because it's all simple things. This is these are all simple storytelling forms. <laughs> and that's true, but like simple works. And they have gotten away from simple a lot over the last several years to even just be doing baseline things that, you know, any show should be doing yeah mike is right that is a low bar to clear but when you get an episode of raw where the entire show is interesting there's not a single skippable segment on that entire three-hour show i don't even remember the last time that you could have said that when that would have happened well yeah and i think i think simple's interesting because you, you both are right in saying so and that is definitely part of what's building it but that has to be applied to every segment. Like, the, the strength of Monday was the strength of the show, you know? I, I think we've had lots of segments throughout the years where it's like, oh, this was a real highlight of Raw or something. But 
earning the three-hour length is something that is basically impossible to do. And I think, you know, for an empty arena area, you got to tip the cap sometimes. So I, I do want to move on to Dynamite and Double or Nothing because I do think that's the story of the week. Um, uh, but before we do that, I just give wanna, me some hits from Raw. I just want to add one more thing. Like, what sure. have we complained about Roman Reigns so much over the years? It's, it's like, too small of a dog. The guy does not have a, a character. He doesn't have discernible traits because... Yes. You couldn't describe him. Yeah, because you are you demonstrate traits through, you know, putting someone in let's say a moral dilemma and how they act the choices that they make out of situations like that john cena has a clear character seth rollins might have the clearest character of anyone in the entire wwe everybody got to have a clear character on monday everybody got to act on what they wanted yeah you're right Uh, and like that doesn't happen and it's so important like man even even another thing that you and I have harped on over the years, like how important it is to get out of the arena and do segments Boy. in the outside world. Man, these things that they are doing with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits are hugely, hugely beneficial to both teams because you are getting invested in them as characters because they are demonstrating personality through action. It's so fucking simple, and yet, like, we don't see it. When you do, you you do take notice of it because that was a very good show from start to finish. I saw a lot of praise for the the Viking Raiders this week for for that segment because their characters are sort of weird and you would think sort of misfit even though it's axe throwing. It's still like, it's like, oh, a challenge for these guys and like a contained environment, it's a little weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually didn't really see it that way. I, I really like to tip my cap to the Street Profits. I think these guys just, like, elevate everyone around them. They're so casual and comfortable and confident that, like, I think it brings out... There's no one on screen. Kurt Angle, so many people who are, like, were kind of stiff or losing their words are elevated around these guys. Like, you have to take notice of that when somebody is, like... I'm not saying the Viking Raiders are bad by any stretch, but I don't know that credit was being given enough to these guys who are, like provenly dynamic on camera good with everyone around them and like even in when they're a little bit one note still reasonably compelling oh yeah that's totally true you know um i i do have to tip the cap a little bit to the viking raiders as well because these guys are showing charisma and presence and like fun energy that i have never really seen from them before for sure But you're right like you have to have two to tango their scene partners are certainly making it easy for them to be uh, energetic and fun because like these are all words that you would naturally use to describe the street profits anyways so yeah good luck getting that out of the viking raiders and any other feud i guess like, I and ju- it doesn't feel unnatural for them here yeah i mean like what the comparison is uh what were the viking raiders like on their own in a van yeah. singing viking raiders <laughs> versus all of these segments with uh the street profits it's just funny to think of that segment and be like look <laughs> where guy. we are now from where they started this exiting the arena and being the viking raiders out in the world at large has been uh, just tremendous. But it, like even simple things, Josh, like a babyface running out to make the save on behalf of another babyface that they do not have a partnership yes. with. That's good guy stuff. You should do that if you're a good guy. Roman Reigns should be doing that a lot, and he never does. Uh, like we had, it, we had it multiple times in one segment this week I where, know. where you have Umberto Carrillo coming out to defend the honor of Rey Mysterio, who's not even on the show, and then Aleister Black comes out to make the save for Carrillo. Like, it's so 
simple, yeah. but they just haven't done it. And they did it up and down the show, like throughout the entire episode. And of course, you open with uh, a- another tremendous promo segment from Randy Orton and Edge. Yeah. Orton is just on another level right now. Like, the guy has been so good for an entire year, really, at this point. Uh, I have to tip my cap to him because I I never saw this kind of character work in Randy Orton before. Yeah, who who thought that he'd become? Because uh, if you want to think, he had high spots in the Wyatt feud too against the Wyatt oh, family, sure. I should yeah, say, yeah. all those all those years ago. But it's funny because he so can't get it done in the ring to me. However, <laughs> I he is such an underrated character guy at this point. Like you just have to say that. Like he is a Miz tier performer in that. Maybe not. Maybe slightly less. But he, he's extremely reliable right now. And it's just so funny to me to go back to my entry point to becoming someone who was watching the television and watching pay-per-views on a monthly basis, like re-engaging my fandom on uh, another level, was you know when he was being presented by the authority as the, the platonic ideal of a wrestler that Daniel Bryan was not. Yes, yeah, you exactly. Know, like, Triple H is the villain of that feud. Randy Orton basically says nothing. He's just a body. And he's charismatic saying nothing, but he doesn't say anything. Like, that's the kind of Randy that I think of in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, like, Mike has said that he was very strong on promos, you know, in the 2000s, basically. That this has been a strength of his all along. I don't uh, necessarily know that that's something that other people have told me. <laughs> Well, it, he's okay. So he's not like fully wrong in saying that. He's definitely like I can think of like there's some good legacy promos, and he hangs with other good promo guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm struggling to think of like what the great Randy Orton promo is. It's everything that he's doing right now. Like this yeah, is the, this is to me. I think will be. I mean, Legend Killer Randy is obviously his definitive run, but that's also like the beginning of his career. Uh, he's doing something right now that I think is what we will remember him for going forward. See, I think his definitive run is going three out of 110 against John Cena over the course of eight years. <laughs> I think his definitive run is when uh, he wrestled uh, Sheamus like 8,000 <laughs> times in 2015. Yeah, every on every episode of Raw for, I think, at and least a year. Probably four pay-per-views in a it, row. It's whenever Daniel Bryan was in the Wyatt family. That's what I remember. Daniel Bryan was in the Wyatt family, and Sheamus and Orton could not keep their hands off each other. These guys wanted to wrestle... A best of 365 match but every the, day of the year. But that ties in, I think, to how good Raw was this week. Like, yes, y- yes. You could You could describe every single character with their motivations and their traits and who they are as people. Whereas if you go back five years and, you know, I'm watching Raw with a person who's brand new to wrestling, whether that's a girlfriend or a friend or whatever, and they were like, oh, what's this guy's deal? I'd have to be like, oh, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a big boy who loves to fight. That would be the description of like half the roster. But in he, the case of Roman Reigns, that is to cool. Fight. To be clear, hang on, to be clear, for, for, for Roman Reigns, that is cool. To be <laughs> big dogs gotta eat. It's true. It's true. It Points well good. made, Jamo. I'm glad you brought up uh, Edge and Orton there. Can we uh, can we transition to the Wednesday night? Uh, we sure program? can. Yes, I think I've said everything I have to say about Raw, but it was a great show, and I and agree. Raw has been very good of late as well. But this, I think, was the high-water mark. And I think Paul Heyman is probably as much to credit for that as anyone. We're trying to exit away from it, and now we're going to talk about how good Paul Heyman is? No, no, no. That's my final note. I got four hours to do on that. Okay, now you go. I'm done. (laughs) Let me take it back to 1993, okay? There's there's a a small New York businessman named Paul Heyman. Mm -hmm. 
Wealthy parents. See, banker yes. parents. Yes. Money in the pocket. And he's got an idea. He sees rest. No, I mean, this guy. The, pr- the track record for Paul Heyman at this point of achievement is Dude, is I watched absurd. ECW Heat Wave 98 on Saturday night. Oh, tremendous what a show. show. Tremendous, tremendous show. show. Was the, rem- uh, we can't. We can't. What was my match of the night? We can't. Probably the tag title match. I thought RVD Stop and it. Sabu was amazing. We can't talk about Heat Wave 98 right now. I will I just go maybe, on. Maybe on the Patreon we can do a retro review of it. I would love that. Uh, but yeah, listen, Heyman, SmackDown 6 uh, beats Raw the first times in the ratings. Now now Raw's regaining some of its former glory. All the management work. I mean, forget Yeah, you it. can't. You can't cannot look at how much better Raw is now relative to what it was two or three years ago and not think, well, of course, Paul Heyman has to be wholly responsible for <laughs> yeah, this. It'd be, what else could you arrive at? It's almost all the same players. But. Exactly. Madman, let's talk about AEW because I, I, I was very excited for this show. I like a go-home show. I think the listeners know this. I get like a little more. I, I come from the, the MMA world, the boxing world. You get like the countdown shows before, right? So you're and we're getting watching, that like, on, on TNT on Friday night. The night which I want to talk about because I think is a magnificent idea. But it scratches that specific part of my brain. But I'm very conditioned to like, what's the thing before the thing that I'm going to watch to get hyped for the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the and, go-home show. That's right. And I thought AEW was Kind of kind of all over the place this week with yeah. some real high points, and I'm still geeked to watch Double or Nothing. There's no two ways about that. But maybe maybe my expectations were too high, but I thought they had some like just outright sloppiness on this show. This is, a, a, I think, a pretty well-built pay-per-view, all things considered. Because, For sure. I mean, you know, more than two-thirds of the build to this has come during the quarantine era. Uh, weird to think about and for them to have still put together a card that like i think a lot of people are still excited even still excited to buy like let's not be you know i know that i can't afford to buy it i still might maybe if i can get together with three people and split that cost or something if you can split the cost it changes everything but but like you know you and i have friends who are going to buy this show listener of this program blair pacheco is fired up to buy this show thank you blair is what AEW will be saying (laughs) AEW is going to send an email to Blair that just says, thank you, Blair. Because <laughs> yeah, he bought the show and he's he's fired up to do it. There are people who are very excited to buy this show. Yes. Uh, I think this show was already sold regardless of what happened on this go home. I agree. Um, because all the matches were already in place and all of the big matches are, you know, uh, I think needle movers in a big way, personally, I think. Um, but uh, I want to yeah. touch more on that when we actually break down the card. I'll stay a bit more on Dynamite here because I, I actually don't agree with you there. I, I think you're right, though. This was a, a sloppy go-home show. I did not enjoy it as much as even, uh, you know, two weeks ago's episode. Or last week's for, yeah. for me. I thought last week was a nice one, too. Uh, let me just ask quickly. Did, did Ray Phoenix die there? Is that what we saw? <sighs> I think... He's apparently banged up, but he is still going <laughs> Yeah, to... I saw that. I you, know, saw... you know what, though? I saw the gif of it, and I, like, cringed and thought he was dead and that I just witnessed a man's soul leave his body, essentially. But then when I watched it on television, it didn't seem as bad to me. Like, see, it Haley is still. And I were sitting here watching live. I didn't see the GIF. I wasn't online. We were watching, and I was like, oh my God. Like, we, we were like, "Is oh, geez. I, when I saw the GIF, it looked like he landed on his neck. And when I saw it on, on the show, it seemed like he landed square on his shoulders. It's still an extremely rough bump, but it's but not then like they a go on, murder. They don't catch bump the next either. two guys either. They yeah, barely catch Cabana. I know. <laughs> no, it's it's it really makes you question how the bumps in the ladder match itself are going to go. Uh, Madman, I, I got to say this about Dynamite. And I listen, 
this feels like when I have to praise Seth Rollins to me, okay? The, I hate doing this. It's like I kissing like your it. sister. There you go. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't know that I'm feeling the, the Mox Brody Lee feud. Um, I thought this was the worst show for it. You know, yeah, the I've beat been... down the other week was good, I suppose. Yeah, right. and I and I really liked the Brody Lee segment last week as well. Um, I didn't hate his promo this week as much as you did, and I know that was a big sticking point for you. Um, I, it wasn't great. I didn't think it was yeah. horrible either. But here's uh, the thing: it could be better. That he's just miscast here. Like, why does he have to be acting like Vince McMahon? Yeah, there's a lot of Triple H in it as well, too. You know? Yeah, it's not – like, I've seen him do good promos. Like, yeah. it's he has to do this acting thing, which I don't think he's – which is, ironically, it feels like sort of a WWE problem. Yes, um, very much so. But but I don't know. Was I way off? I thought this promo was outright bad on his end on on uh, yesterday. I, I on My yesterday. big problem with it was, like, the guy's name is Ten. And that's never <laughs> that's never gonna feel normal. Well, we got addressing someone the as a number, you know. <laughs> and you got yeah, Sean never Spears mind the chairman. Yeah, yeah. And, and, no, I mean the. I mean, listen, the dork order is lame. That that's that's a problem. But I'm they were some... good when Brody debuted. Like it was suddenly like, oh, okay, this thing that's been like a weird sideshow on the show over the last several months finally has like a driving focus, and that focus is badass. And Brody Lee ripped. Like, but they didn't commit to it. They they acted like what the Dark Order actually was was, oh, we're manipulating all these guys and we're big business, and this is actually a take on Vince McMahon. That's I what's mean, going on here. It and doesn't now help. It's like half and half. It's like, oh, it is the cult. And and Mox is right when he's like, yeah, you got a bunch of weirdos in gimp suits running around. Like, why would I be jealous of that? <laughs> like it, that. It doesn't Correct. help when Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are stuck in Canada and can't You're right. be on the shows, right? Like, they, we, we are having to watch this act without the two guys who carried it all the way before Brody's debut. You know what? This is going to sound dumb. I didn't even really think of that. that. I'm not saying this is good or would be way better with it, but but that's a factor for sure that I didn't Because, consider. like, I think Evil Uno is very good on the mic. I agree. Uh, uh, I know that some people in our friend group have gotten tired of the Uno promos uh, over the last several months, maybe, uh, in the lead-up to Brody debuting, but I think he's very strong on the mic. I think he's very entertaining. And, like, yeah, y- those two guys were the number one contenders in the tag division before they couldn't do shows anymore. Like, I do think there is a direction of this story that we just are not getting, unfortunately. Yes. And, like, you know, I can say the same thing about a bunch of things that are happening on SmackDown right now, you know? When we acknowledge the problems of SmackDown at the moment, you also have to be like, but, like, none of this was planned, so... Right, yeah, no, you do have to give some small pass. Yeah. Let's talk about something I did like on Dynamite. I thought uh, Adam Page sprinting 400,000 yards to to deliver the buckshot lariat was, like, an awesome visual, like, a legitimately great visual. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for that match. I think that could even be the main event of the pay-per-view, like... uh... I, I, there's a po- strong possibility they've already filmed it, honestly, because it's going to be the cinematic match of this AEW pay-per-view. I think we can all uh, agree that that is likely to be the case. I thought, you know, basically 
what they did in the main event two weeks ago in the tag match that they did with uh, Matt and Omega versus uh, uh, the Sex Gods. Yeah, the you know, Sex that, Gods. That's like a trailer for what we're going to yes. get in the pay-per-view match. Well said. And like, you know, that's what I mean when I say that the, the card is mostly already sold. Because that, that trailer already sold me on wanting to buy the movie, you know, like... It doesn't sure. really matter to me what happens in the go-home, but I think they've done a great job of highlighting the visuals every single time they've stepped on that football field, and especially you know putting the graphics up on the big scoreboard, yeah, like circle. having the Inner Circle logo. It's been fantastic. It just looks great. Uh, I think it's also, uh, you got to tip the cap a little bit to Matt Hardy because just having him in this match gives them so much more to play with. Like signing him in the empty arena era is is proven to be a stroke of genius. Like, But also for this think, match, Josh, also think about the fact that like they have asked Matt Hardy to carry this feud. Yeah. Kenny has still been here all along. It could have been Kenny in the Matt role the last several weeks, but Matt has been the focus in the absence of the Bucks and Hangman, and uh, the fact that he is able to do that heavy lifting at this stage of his career, and and the matches are still compelling. I thought the match with Sammy this week was really good, honestly. Like, well, hang on. He, the reason for that is he took two bumps in it. I haven't seen Matt Hardy do that in a match in I, I don't know how long. I was He took that second bump. In uh, against Guevara, I was like, "Good Lord, Matt!" He's hitting uh, late stage Hogan, where yeah. like, you, you may as well count the bumps throughout the matches here. But but I found him compelling in in his matches and his promos on the on the show. It is uh, yeah, I thought I thought uh, I thought good. It's just Matt Hardy is going to pay dividends on Saturday night for that match. Big time, absolutely. The, the elite versus the inner circle empty arena match is good, but Matt Hardy lets them be like, "Hey, let's get weird, baby." Yeah. And it also frees up Cody to not be part of the elite in a feud like this, you know? Yeah, and, totally. And, and let him do uh, his own thing as well. Uh, anything else from the Dynamite you want to talk about before we break down the show uh, match by match? Man, Hikaru Shida is awesome. Like, yeah. She's so good. and The match was good. Like, you know, I really think these Japanese women have been found money for AEW because, like, when, when WWE signed... Uh, Kairi Sane or Io Shirai or Asuka. Like, I knew who all those women were. They were all big stars in stardom. They were all, like, the, the, the obvious star talents of Japanese women's wrestling. They'd been on your radar to some yeah. degree. You probably hadn't seen a ton of their matches or maybe even any, but you, you were, you'd seen the names floated. Right? Has anybody ever heard of Riho before AEW? Has, uh, like, maybe people have heard of Hikaru Shida, but, like... These women were complete unknowns to me and have been great. Like, Hikaru Shida is awesome, man. She's really, really great. And Britt Baker is good, too. Yeah. There's so much goodness in that women's division right now, and I wish they had more uh, plots to push them forward, I guess. Sorry, one more thing from the show I want to ask you about. Uh, the Sean Spears CNN thing. Sean Spears Network, was it? SSN? What did you think of that? Uh, I kind of just breezed by it, honestly. I yeah. uh, I didn't. I, I, I was under a crunch to watch the show before you and I recorded here. And I was like, yeah, this seems like I could skip it. And yeah, well, it wouldn't be a huge miss. It, but it I was like, Because I thought he did, he did okay delivering. It's exactly what you think it is, by the way. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And he wasn't, like, bad at it or anything. But I was just like... Do we? Do I need this guy? What? 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 what this? I don't know. What are we doing here? It's like, oh, Dustin Rhodes sucks. It's like, the, all right, the, man. The thing for me is that, like, I like Sean Spears. I really liked Ty Dillinger, but I, but like, 
he got over as a baby face, you know, like people like him as a persona. So trying to force this heel thing in a company that's already stacked with heels. 400. I, I can't understand how he's not a face. I think I've said, I th- if I didn't say that on here, I said in the chat, it's like, how on earth did you not just turn Sean Spears face and no one gave a shit about this chairman thing? Exactly. Like the, the program with Cody made sense to me, right? Like that's that there's a logic to that that I can get behind. Sure. But trying to force him as this heel, you know, we, we have so many heels on dynamite that are, better at what he is trying to do you need baby faces for those heels to go against and maybe sean doesn't win many of those matches as a baby face either that's fine you kind of knew he was going to be an enhancement guy the entire time from the moment he signed with it yeah they did seem sort of uh destined for that okay jmo let's get to it bottom to top every match on the card double or nothing AEW's pay-per-view presentation this saturday night we just talked about him but let's i don't have a ton more to say about him but the first match on the show is dustin rhodes Versus Sean Spears. Dustin Rhodes coming to, you know, get, get some respect back on his name after uh, Dustin Rhodes spoke so ill of him. Or rather, after Sean Spears spoke so ill of him. He also is looking for a bounce back win after being decimated by yeah. the murder hawk monster. Uh, I think you mean abandoned by his brother. Yes, that too. That too. Um <laughs> No, I, I I don't know that this is going to deliver anything as far as in-ring that people are going to be talking about, but I do trust both of these guys on the storytelling level, if that makes sense. You know, sure. I do think there's going to be some good drama in this match. I think Dustin's probably going to bleed a little bit, you know? <laughs> you if, think? If they if they do the, the bloody Dustin thing at the hands of the chairman, then maybe that can put some juice back in the Spears heel character. Like, maybe this is a good booking decision. Uh, how about, how about just Dustin Rhodes in general? How much are you interested in, uh, in him hanging around? Uh, I'd prefer if he was part of the tag division more so than doing these singles matches, but I do think there is value to him on the shows for sure. Here's what I don't get. You, you got everybody on earth hanging out with Cody Rhodes who can't wrestle. Why don't we just have Dustin Rhodes be a bit of a heater for Cody? I don't mind if he gets a little physical here and there and he can still be tough guy. Then it gives the faction somebody besides Cody to do everything. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what you have on the heel side, right? Is like that's, you have yeah. your your big boss and you Ward save those matches for, for the pay-per-views, but everybody else has a number of lackeys that the babyface has to run through in the in the meantime. Yeah, no, it, it would make total sense. But, I mean, they ha- kind of have done that on this build as well, right? Like... Like, the big match that we're building to here is Cody versus uh, Lance Archer. Lance did kill Dustin, and that is part of the motivation for this match. True. So, like, he kind of is in that role a little bit. It's just like, I guess you're kind of wanting to see him get more shine and not just be clowned constantly, I guess. Is that what I'm picking up? Well, or... It's hard for me to get super invested when I'm so aware of what his role is, which is like, oh, he's the veteran who's going to bleed and to have an okay match and lose everything. And I don't understand why he's separate from Cody. When but, Cody's but like, like he's Co- better in that role than QT Marshall, right? Like, well, sure, but because I mean, that's like the QT role, role too than, is to be. I'm not telling him to, to sign QT Marshall. QT Marshall is like the what Chase Owens is to Bullet Club, he is to the Nightmare Family, you know. Yeah, and, and you're right, Dustin is better for that, certainly. Uh, let's move on here, JMO. Uh, what I love is they they came out right and said it. Something that uh, WWE won't do enough. They came out right and said it, JMO. They said this match is for number one contendership to the AEW World Tag Team Championships. You know, so it's like we know who's wrestling. We know what they're wrestling for, and it's private party taking on the best friends. We excited for this? 
yeah, I guess so. Private Party feels like just picking somebody out of nowhere. Like, have they really been on the shows that much lately? No. I don't remember them being on Dynamite at all. In no, the I don't quarantine either. Era. Uh, so, uh, like, I don't know that that's the, I guess, I guess if Penta is otherwise occupied, because doesn't it feel like the natural choice would be to bring the best friends versus death triangle feud to a head in a match like this? Yeah, I think that was the plan for sure. So, so Penta must not be available to them and they, they pick. Well, no, uh, Pac instead. isn't. Well, uh, but Penta wasn't on Dynamite last night and they said that he had travel issues yeah i don't i'm saying neither of them like phoenix is the only guy a death triangle you got. that's true that's true that's true yeah i don't know it just feels like not the natural uh story that we were building to here but i'm sure it'll be a good match and like you're going to ultimately crown the best friends as the number one contenders i I think we can both agree that they're winning this thing yeah i'm absolutely picking them to win uh do you want to give me a pick sorry for dustin Rhodes and sean spears real quick uh i'll go sean spears I'm going to go Dustin Rhodes. Uh, for Private Party and Best Friends, yeah, I, I, you got to put on Best Friends. And frankly, they earn it. They've put in a lot of a lot of minutes over this quarantine era, the three of them. I know oh, Orange they... isn't in this match, but uh, they've gotten they've put in a lot of work for you. I think they deserve this. Absolutely. They've probably been the most consistent uh, deliverers of the goods on Dynamite over the last several months. You know, every single feud, whether we want to talk about Cody versus Archer or Mox versus Brody Lee, like they've all had some hiccups along the way yeah i think the best friends have been consistently great throughout the last however long you want to go back here yeah private party doesn't do a ton for me so i have some concerns about this uh in ring but uh we shall see but i'll also be picking the best friends to become your AEW tag team champions jmo I, I think private party has a lot of good high spots but they just don't execute them fluidly enough if it's i can't describe si- what you're good at it's going to be hard for me to get into you it's, like it's if the you're just the thing that you always harp on Apollo Crews for, that you can see him thinking out all of his spots as opposed to being like a fluid wrestler, to me, like, they are the tag team of that. Makes sense to me. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, take it on Chris Statlander. What do you think of this one? Uh, Part of me wishes that it was a four-way for the title between all of the women who were in the tag match uh, on Dynamite last night, honestly. But, From like I mean, a match quality standpoint? Yeah, I think that they would be great together, that it would be more interesting probably. But, uh, I mean, two, both these women are fantastic. And I'm a huge Britt Baker fan, obviously. Yeah, you said uh, both. I, I, I'm not that into Chris Statlander. I, I know lots of our listeners are, so I apologize. I know you hate me. But, she obviously uh, lost some momentum not being on the taped shows. I just when don't you, like the gimmick. Really? I, I do. I, I think she's fun. I really do think she's good in the ring and that she's very charismatic as well. And, you know, I, there's so many men on wrestling Twitter who are like, okay, like, sure, she's she wants to be an alien, but uh, that should be like an extension of her trauma on some level. You know, Whoa. Like, there, there's so many guys on <laughs> wrestling on Twitter, Twitter who are like, who are like yeah, she should have like been abused in some what way, the and hell? then she's really? compartmentalized her trauma by thinking she's an alien. It's like, no, a woman can just think she's an alien, and that's fine. Like, we don't have to look at an Orange Cassidy gimmick and be like, He's lazy because of trauma. Like, you know, well, like, he, he is, though. <laughs> he, he is. Yeah, he tried really hard one time. <laughs> yeah. He got his heart broken. He still failed. Yeah, exactly. Happens to all of us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate to be agreeing with these wackos on Twitter, I guess. But uh, yeah, Dave Schilling, one of those people. Uh, but it's a, it's a common opinion among men in particular in the wrestling Twitter space. And I have no time for that. I think it's 
bogus. I just find it a, a weird, a hard gimmick for me to get into. Yeah, but, but I think like, this match, this match might be fun. I I think if people can get invested in her work rate, they will go along with the character. And yeah, I think she's a sure. great worker. So I'm excited for this match. I probably am more excited for the work rate of this match than the actual title match. See, that's interesting because I would have disagreed with you, but I thought the worst spot of uh, Dynamite's match was between Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. So you might be onto something there. Yeah, and Britt, like, you know, how many episodes in a row do I have to come out and say nobody's better right now in, in wrestling for me than Britt Baker? I think she's just tremendous. Well, I, I think you can say it as many episodes as you like. I don't know how many people are going to agree that Britt Baker's the best that get across all of wrestling, but <laughs> I think... I think you're allowed to say that on as many episodes as you like, and I like when you say it. I have a ton of fun with Britt Baker anytime she's on screen. I, agree. I think I think she is one of the most entertaining people going at the moment. And uh, I'm gonna say that Statlander takes this, if only because you need to build up another babyface challenger for your heel champion. And I don't necessarily see Sheeta taking the belt off of Nyla, even though I just talked about how great Hikaru Sheeta is. Yeah, I basically am doing the exact same thing here. I'm taking Statlander here. Britt Baker seems like the sort of person you just give the mic to on Dynamite the week after and probably won't lose a ton of shine from a, a loss here. Uh, she can complain. Oh, yeah, she'll just run down Shivani and she'll be back on top. Yeah, so uh, I'm also picking Chris Statlander to pick up the win here and to become your challenger for the winner of this next match as the champion, Nyla Rose, defends her uh, AW Women's World Championship against Hikaru Shida in a no DQ and... No count out match, Madman. That's both no DQ and no count out. Don't you love those? Yeah, and maybe we do see some spillover from the previous match into this one because of those stipulations. You know, maybe we get something similar to uh, the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Miz, Cesaro. Uh, I think wow. it was Battlegrounds. Wow, it was Battlegrounds. Yeah, where those two matches just intersected and it became like a split feud between all four guys. You might see something like that because of those steps. Jamal, um, I gotta say, not everyone should have a wrestling podcast, but I'm glad you do because I hadn't thought of that, and yet as you say it, that makes perfect sense to me. I think you're. That's a great call. I haven't seen that anywhere, and I think you're right. And uh, you know, look, Nyla has to win this. There, there is, there is a, a, I think, a compelling story to be told with her as the monster champion for a good long while. But I also have to commend them for, I think, picking the right challenger. Because it would have been really easy to go with Statlander in this match instead of Sheeta. Uh, but if you look at who has the momentum and like who people have been reacting to, I think like St Chris Statlander still is very popular with a huge portion of the Dynamite audience. Uh, but like... She does the one on a heater right now, and and there should have been some real consideration putting put into making that choice. Like it, I don't think that was an easy decision, but I do think it was the right one. And so you are. Let's move just right on into it then. Nyla Rose versus Karu Shida. Who are you? Are you picking? It's yeah. It's Nyla. You are. It's got to be Nyla. Nyla. Okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. you, you you said it, but then I was like, oh, hang on. He's talking about two different booking things. It could go either way here. You're going well, no, on. No, no, no. I, I, I do mean that like. I think this was the right match for this moment. Yes, as I opposed agree with to you. Statlander yeah. versus Nyla Rose, which also seemed like something that they were building to as recently as like a month ago. I think this, yeah, I think so too. And uh, I'm also with you, picking Nyla. Pardon me, Justin. Holy cow, what a sneeze. Uh, to defend. Holy smokes, was on the tip of my nose for a while there. Jamal, let's move on to the next one here. I think we're excited to discuss who 
might be the secret entrant in the casino ladder match for a future shot at the AEW World Championship match. I'm going to tell you the entrance, J-Mo, but I'm going to tell you the rules first because yes, it's important. Please. I hear it's very complicated, this ladder match. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going <laughs> to. Very easy to understand. It's like the Royal Rumble. One person comes in at a time. You know the Royal Rumble. Crossed you know with money in the bank. I got it. Uh, so it's everybody's going to get their own entrance, their own music. Good for getting guys over. We all get to pop. And then they're going to enter in for a, uh, I think it's a casino chip that's going to be uh, ho- hanging from the ceiling that they're able to cash in for a title shot at uh, any time, which I think is pretty cool. I do love like the gambling theme of this oh, show. Me too. Oh, for uh, sure. Which was obviously supposed to take place at the MGM Grand again, unfortunately. Haley and I were going to go. It really? Was, like, we were going to go to Double or Nothing. That was I almost point. went last year, man. I I, uh, I almost did it again, but uh, I decided not to in the end um, because I knew SummerSlam was on the approach ultimately. But, uh, yeah, I, I it's it's really too bad because I do, I do really like, like the way that they have hyped up these shows and the sets and all that sort of stuff. Like if they make this... a great prop for this chip, they could really have a winner on their hands here. If oh, they, for sure. you you got to make sure whoever's making this prop really nails it. Because if they, because carrying a chip around, it could be a little clunky, maybe a bag for it. you got to figure something yeah. out. But if they yeah, maybe, nail it, this maybe could be you nailed. Like put a strap on it so you have a chip on your shoulder, maybe. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> Very nice. I see you're laughing. I think that, that sort of works. I thought you were going to uh, boo strongly. So no, I, I, I thought it was an okay you. idea, for being honest. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm excited for this one, J-Mo. The, the, the people we know are in the match are... Uh, hang on, hang on. Before we get there, have sure. they announced like the official rules as to how the staggered entrances are going to work? Like, Not to my it, knowledge. Is, is it like a War Games thing where you're not allowed to grab the ladders until everyone's in? Or like... Uh, like I don't it think just so. seems weird to do a ladder match that could be over before everyone is in the ring. And obviously that's not going to happen. Sure. Because this is a predetermined outcome and the match is scripted. No, you must you be know. right. They there must be uh you can't you can't get the, the chip until everyone's in. Isn't there something especially, like that especially if you're the only guy in at the beginning and no one else is there. You <laughs> well you'd have to start it with two. Straight to the chip. <laughs> yeah, it's just whoever <laughs> enters first gets a shot at the title. <laughs> like even if you enter second, it's like what good is this to me? Like do not enter me in this match. He has thirty seconds to just climb a ladder. He's gonna do it. That's the pipe bomb in AEW. That's they signed CM Punk and he exposes the business like that. I hope you're real comfortable, Orange Cassidy, because I got a lot I'm gonna get off my chest. He's, hey Colt Cabana, how you doing? <laughs> how you he doing? says as Colt walks past him on the ramp. <laughs> he's, he's just actually waving at Colt Cabana. <laughs> Yeah, who's in the audience as part of a quarantine show? <laughs> Just kidding, they hate each other. Okay, oh, uh, let's let's talk about Colt Cabana. He's one of the the competitors <laughs> in this match. I thought he's been sort of a overachiever, a high spot on a Dynamite. I'm not normally a fan. Oh yeah, he's been one of my guys for sure. You know, um, Mike had us do an exercise a couple weeks ago where we like picked five people we really believe in from every show, and Colt was part of my five of Dynamite. Interesting. Like, He's been somebody who has really exceeded my expectations. Like, I've, I know Colt the indie guy, you know, and I think he's very entertaining in that role. Uh, but I didn't know that it was going to translate as well to AEW television as it has. I think he's been really entertaining. My only problem is he has to, he has like an almost Byron Saxton tier finisher. <laughs> and it, yes. it really, the Chicago Sunrise is just, it's always been bad. 
It's never going to be good. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's no Saxtonator or Saxtonation. The Saxtonation, I believe you mean, yeah. J-Mo. Not only Sorry. the worst name, uh, also <laughs> the worst move. The Saxtonation. Yes. Who, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day. It's like, or they were discussing. It's like, oh, what's the worst finisher in wrestling? And I was like, children, please come under the learning tree. You're naming, <laughs> you're naming the, you're naming the stunner compared to what I'm about to show you. <laughs> Speaking of Byron, though. Yeah. I do have to say, I know this is circling way back half an hour ago to when we were talking about Raw. You have to part leave of, when? Part of the reason the show was so good was Samoa Joe on commentary. Oh, like, yeah, Joe's, Joe's... Samoa Joe made that Shayna Baszler and Natalia match. Like, he enhanced it so much. I, um, I hate to this, ruin it for get... you, J-Mo, but if you, if you go looking for something Samoa Joe was bad at, you're just you're going to keep digging, my friend. You're never, never going to find it. In fact, if he was the mystery entrant, he'd be walking out with the chip for sure. And that'd but be he... a great call for the record. You wouldn't hear either <laughs> of us complain. Absolutely. Because I got to admit, there's some people I do not want to win this, as your challengers are Darby Allin, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, the Ghost of Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and one mystery entrant. Okay, let's talk about this match. Who is the mystery entrant in your opinion? It's either Rusev or Drew Gulak. I think the like it's probably more likely to be Rusev, if I'm being honest. Sure. It could also be Brian Cage, though. Like Brian Cage was rumored to be headed to AEW a long time ago. Sure. And has yet to appear. Um there are like I just I don't know. I think it will probably be one of the WWE guys, but I don't know. Like maybe Could Rusev you... has a non-compete and can't appear yet. I, we don't know that, right? I haven't seen anyone say this, and it seems like I'm. Is this too on on the nose? Could you see Marty Skrull here? <sighs> maybe I. You know, he does have the freedom in his ring of honor contract to make appearances like that. Well, and you, you don't have to take a pin in the ladder match. He doesn't have to get subbed. Nothing. He could look That's super true. strong. And his entrance would be awesome. Yeah, he would get a giant, you know. Anyway, and he yeah. did the NWA show. I don't know. That, that was sort of where my head was at. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. That's a good idea. I th I think, you know, you went up and down the list of entrants and said there are some stinkers in there. I really think there's only one pick that doesn't make any sense. Kazarian? Yes, because Scorpio Sky is already in the match. Like, what are we? Yeah. Come on. We're having both these guys. Yeah, I don't know. Why, Would you why want Kip it... Sabian or Colt Cabana challenging for the why, AW why World Title? Why isn't Christopher Daniels in the match too now? You know, he doesn't like, wrestle anymore. Put the put all of them in there. He's the exalted no. one. No, I don't want Kip Sabian or Colt Cabana to win the chip, but like I understand why they're in there too. For know? sure, like, for sure. Kip Sabian seems to be in like the Evan Bourne role here. Like he's for sure gonna do a crazy spot off the top of the ladder. Yeah, he's gonna fly. And I do like him. Like he is a perfectly competent mid card heel. Yeah, and, and and maybe his in involvement also uh, pulls Penelope Ford into this match because I think Penelope has been great with uh, with Kip all along here. So who knows? I think it's hard being Kip Sabian on the same show as MJF. That's always how I, I've always uh, felt about it. I do agree with that. Yes, but one of them is trying to be a cool heel, and the other one is trying to be a Miz type snob. So there is some difference in between them. But like. I think the big thing that is jumping out at me when we go over that list is like obviously Ray Phoenix was going to be the spot guy in this match. Yeah, but I don't know that he's going to be able to do that anymore. Who do you have winning this match? <sighs> I mean, it's really easy to say just the mystery entrant. Right? Okay, yeah. Say say if you can't pick the mystery entrant, and we'll look stupid together then if the mystery entrant wins it. Can you give me the full list one more time? Absolutely, Darby Allen. Colt Cabana, 
Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, or my pick, Luchasaurus. I mean, we have to assume that Mox is still champion after this too, right? So well, we'll talk think, about that in the breakdown, but sure. I, I do think there's uh, the odds should favor a heel. Yep. And when I look at the heel side of that, I think Ray Phoenix is like the clear choice here to me. Yeah, Phoenix Mox would be a that'd be a match I'd be insanely into. Absolutely, it'd be awesome. God, Ray Phoenix Mox would be good. Yeah, so I'm gonna go Ray Phoenix here. Okay, and I'll I'll, I'll pick uh, Luchasaurus. I think I think they might do like a a lesser title match on television for this. Is kind of my sense. So I, I mean, I could it. even be into Luchasaurus versus Mox as a pay per view match. Honestly, like. Oh yeah, hey, do, have we told the Luchasaurus story on here? No, I don't think so. Yeah, well, I mean, we we saw Luchasaurus just burn it down once with with a uh, hundred others here in Vancouver. You did. I was at work. I met you after the show. Oh, you guys, you guys were raving about this this dinosaur monster man <laughs> who who does uh, you know full moon salt off the salt. top rope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so funny sorry I, yeah i remembered you there for the night i was thinking it was at the show uh yeah i've seen i saw luchasaurus just go off once and i'm uh i'm still i think he could again i don't know why he'd do that at the rickshaw in front of 100 people and not do it if he got the opportunity at the aw world title you know oh yeah and mox like i part of the fun of moxley as champion is just getting to see him work his brawl style against a number of different people who work radically different styles than him. Totally you know? agree. All right, well, we got to move on here, JMO. I'm taking uh, Luchasaurus. You're taking Ray Phoenix. We're both taking the mystery entrant, but are we taking MJF to stay as the salt in the earth and tap out Jungle Boy? I'm really split on this one, and I, I, th- I know that like. You know, Cody loses every match so that he can put over these new heels, right? Sure. Like he he's trying to establish all these guys as, as, you know, contemptible assholes. And MJF is great in that role. I also think he's so good at it that he can stomach a loss and it won't hurt him Ooh. at all because AEW clearly sees a ton of potential star power in Jungle Boy, which I don't know that they're wrong to see. Who do you um, see more in of these two? Uh, like who's going to be a top draw guy yeah. of the two of them? Yeah, probably MJF. If I had to like handicap who's going to have the better career overall, sure. But but like there is a ton of potential in Jungle Boy, and if you do want him to be a star, if you do want to put a lot of significance on uh, the uh, Jurassic Express as a team, like you know your idea for who wins the the ladder match might not be far fetched if you also you know, have uh, Jungle Boy beat MJF on the same night and suddenly they come out of this looking like a fucking monster team, you know? Like, I... I I really just think the world of those two. I, I think they are so dragged down by Marco Stunt. I, I think just, just Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as the Jurassic Express. But or... Marco fills a role too, though, right? Like, he... Any, any heel who has a match with Marco comes across as a extreme bully and also gets to do all of their cool power spots with someone who's going to fly across the ring for all of them i totally agree i don't know why he has to be in jurassic express for that to happen i feel like he just makes them feel like a lesser luchasaurus could feel like an a-tier guy on that show with a protege jungle boy air ascendant vibe and they feel closer to a comedy act because luchasaurus is dressed like a dinosaur and they have a kid running around but also like what's the knock on jungle boy He's too small to be a star, right? Yeah. He he feels way less small when you put Marco Stunt next to him, too. But I do think it also confuses the dynamic. I think it's okay if he looks small next to a giant dinosaur. 
Yeah, I guess. He doesn't need to look medium with <laughs> a little person running around. I guess, I guess. It's just like, uh, you know, you have uh, the the designated ugly friend or whatever who, who makes everybody look better in photos or whatever. That's Marco Stunt for wrestling. He makes everyone look taller. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, and do you think he could take out MJF here? I do think he'll win this. Okay. Yeah, I think. I like the I, pick. In terms, in terms of who needs a win more. It has to be Jungle Boy, right? Like, it has to be. Here's the thing. Like, we every time we do one of these predictions or we do a preview show and then we do the thing after, I always go, you know, I, I pick chalk on everything. I pick the most likely thing, and they're always booking to, like, swerve or do something you didn't expect, right? Yeah. And I feel like they're booking for MJF to win here, and yet as I hear you describe Jungle Boy, it seems like the exact sort of thing where it's like, yeah, why wouldn't they just pull the trigger on the baby face that they need over the heel? At that the same time, it? though... At the same time, if MJF cheats to win and, like, hits his ring punch on Jungle Boy, like, and Jungle Boy still looks good in the match, you're kind of serving both masters at the same time, maybe? Yeah. Um, but I, I'll pick Jungle Boy for this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the listeners out there a question, and then I'm going to pause, okay, JMO? Okay. Can you name MJF's finisher? And I'm pausing as they think before I reveal the answer. No, they're all shouting at the radio right Do you think now. they know? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, because he's so effective. He It's like Wardlow has been his finisher. Cheating has been his finisher. His finisher is the, the far side arm bar, the, which he calls the side of oh. the salt of the earth. Yes, yes, yes. I did know that, I guess. Uh, but yeah. but he, he never builds it up. Uh, I, I, I don't even... Has he done it in AEW? He did on uh, Dynamite on Tuesday against Yeah, Marco. he won... He won the match with it this week, and I think he's won matches with it on TV Has previous he? as well. I know it more for the PWG stuff, but it, it's, it, it did make me think. Somebody asked me that. I was like, you named P, uh, uh, his finisher? And I was like, that's a great question. I had to think about it. I eventually could, but I did think it spoke to his quality as a heel. For sure, yeah. Uh, I am going to stick with MJF here, so we're, we're split on that one. But let's move on here, J-Mo, to the, the stadium stampede, the cinematic I gotta match. Say, it feels like you don't believe in my picks when you don't go along with me. <laughs> <laughs> Your picks are shit, and I've got all the. Who do you think has picked these more accurately over the years? I have no I idea. Think, I, I think it probably is you. I've made like storyline uh, guesses that have come out correct, but I I am terrible at picking match results, which I think the Top Marks Wrestling League has proven uh, oh. again and again, though I am currently the number one contender and I did for run... the Top Marks title, so maybe I am on a heater right now, maybe and maybe to... you should be listening to my picks. Maybe. Well, we'll find out. I'm sure we'll do one for this weekend if you want to get on uh, in there. I don't even know. We don't even have a Patreon. Uh, yeah, we don't even do it for AEW. I think it's just WWE papers. All right, then. <laughs> Let's talk about the Stadium Stampede match uh, of uh, the Elite with their friend Matt Hardy, and uh, the inner circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. Are you excited for this cinematic uh, oh, masterpiece? Yeah. This is this is the selling point of the entire weekend for me. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I'm really, really excited for this. I think... I think it's what's what everyone is going to be talking about coming out of this show, you know, which has been the case anyways, is that the cinematic matches kind of dominate the discourse. But I really trust these guys to do it well. And I have to say, I've really missed the Bucks and especially Hangman Page on television as well. So love the dramatic returns from them this week. And uh, I'm very fired up to watch them wrestle again because... They work very well together, you know. Like oh, to me, the the tag match at Revolution is my match of the year right now, and and even outshining a number of the matches that I loved at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe that might not be my choice when I go back and do a review at the end of the year, but uh, 
to me, like, those guys are insanely good, and AWTV has very much missed not having them. Yeah, Hangman felt like, like such a, the next guy. and uh, or, or very much missed having them, has suffered for not having them, I should say. Without question. But who's winning here, JMO? Who's gonna, it's always hard to break down these, these cinema matches, but, but who, th- who takes this? I do think the elite have to take this one. Yeah, uh, they're the they're the team with question marks about how can they coexist, but they're also the team that like needs a win to solidify them a little bit here. Like, uh, and even going back, like the 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 match two weeks ago that was a brawl across the arena with Omega and Matt Hardy against uh, the Sex Gods, <laughs> which the Sex Gods T-shirt that Sammy was wearing this week, tremendous. Yeah, I like you it know. Too. Like, the Inner Circle has too many t-shirts that are so awesome (laughs) at this point. All of them are good. Uh, But, like, they won by cheating. And when you win by cheating in the teaser match, I have to think you're going to get your comeuppance at the pay-per-view. And let's be real. I love the Inner Circle. I I think that this whole act has been a success for all involved. But they are at a point where they are heels who do need to suffer some comeuppance at this point. They have succeeded more often than not, and they are also over to a point where exactly like what I was just saying about MJF. The baby faces can win this, and the heels won't suffer at all. I also just think, like, when you run down this, like, person for person, it's like Matt Hardy, Chris Jericho, okay. Adam Page, Jake Hager, okay. Kenny Omega, Sammy Guevara, Matt Jackson, Santana, Nick Jackson, Ortiz, like, the single potency of each member of the elite is just so much greater than the inner circle. And I think you have to establish that at some point. And Matt Hardy, in particular, is going to shine in a cinematic match. Like, this is his home turf on some level, you know? Does Vanguard 1 come back? Or is there Vanguard uh, 2? I think Vanguard 2 days. Yeah, I think we see Vanguard 2 in this. Well, I would bet dollars to donuts Vanguard 2 is coming on in and uh, maybe even winning the match. Can you imagine yeah, if Vanguard yeah, 2 paints think, Chris Jericho? Yeah, Vanguard 2 is here to defend the legacy of his his brother, the, the drone who passed. The, the rules of this match were not clear to me. It's just going to be a brawl that goes all across the but Jacksonville stadium well i would assume yeah it might be an elimination match or maybe it's just one pinfall we don't really know Yeah, because if it's elimination this match might go like an hour and be awesome yeah i have no problem with that like i think it's gonna go 40 minutes or so either way but hey i i also predicted that the cinematic money in the bank match was gonna be like an hour and 15 minutes and it was 35 so what do i know some are saying that this match might even somehow be longer than randy orton versus edge at wrestlemania they're saying (laughs) it might crest the four hour mark and uh it might still be going on then when we have to record (laughs) next week's episode (laughs) some say edge and randy orton are still wrestling one another (laughs) all right i'm gonna have to i might not be able to do wrestle central at 10 p.m on sunday because i'll be (laughs) waiting for the match to end before i take the air (laughs) now that makes absolute sense jmo a couple (laughs) more matches here to touch on two in fact one of them being for the inaugural tnt championship match i think uh aw on whole has done about as good of a job introducing a new belt as you possibly could they've over delivered on booking lance archer at every corner in my opinion although i've had some just moments where like what is jake the snake doing here this is weird uh, uh i thought i thought this week was the first week that jake was bad i did not like the arn jake segment no. on tv this week the week before too i thought jake 
like was the, the overt sexism well that i actually didn't mind that as much as some people but then like actually putting the snake on brandy and like talking about how his snake and whatnot i was like all right like i'm not yeah but, yeah i also i just felt like it was two confused old men sitting across from each other can i give some which additional... is what we're gonna see when joe biden and donald trump debate <laughs> yeah. later this year folks. joe biden donald trump and jake the snake <laughs> in, a, in a triple threat can i can i tell you can i give you some added context here Sure, go for it. So my my girlfriend, uh, the great Haley Ray, uh, mm-hmm. went and saw Jake the Snake a couple of years ago at a stand, one of those storytelling things he does. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. And of she this. asked a question, and he asked her to come sit on his lap. Please. <laughs> yeah, he's right. And then he goes on television that evening, and he's got a snake on Brandy Rhodes being like, yeah, it's my snake. I was like, ah, you know? Maybe that sexist rant was uh, not scripted. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was doing a shoot interview when he was talking about women belonged in the kitchen. He yeah, was not. He didn't know where he was. He did not know. He's back on the liquor, I think, yeah, is no. just what happened he, there. He thought they were still taping the shows and that all that could be edited out. <laughs> that's exactly. This is live? Yeah, that, that's what happened there. Uh, but I am, I am greatly looking forward forward to this match between uh cody uh arn anderson brandy rhodes uh everyone else and uh, lance archer and jake roberts and uh, too many people at ringside on this one but i could not be more excited for this match i think they've done a wonderful build here what do you think jmo i think this is going to be a, a cody rhodes masterpiece Hell yeah. honestly I, I do feel like all the conditions are in place for everything that cody does well to work in extremely high gear here and Let's also be clear, I do think Lance Archer is going to kill him. Uh, yes. I think he's going to break him in half and emerge as the inaugural TNT champion. And I do have to commend the job that they've done on this build. Look, they were running tapings with like a third of their roster and did it for two months straight and still managed to make television largely, for the most part, have stakes every single week because of this tournament. Uh, you know, it went so well that WWE stripped the IC title off of Sami Zayn to do the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I, I don't need to heap more praise on it. I uh, I was surprised when you said the stadium stampede is your most anticipated thing of the, the night. This is definitely I think it's going to be the most fun, to be clear. But okay. this is definitely the most well-built. Like, in terms of build towards the pay-per-view, this has been exceptional. We talked about it last week. Neither of us can believe how invested we are in Lance Archer relative to what we thought of him in New Japan, right? Not like only New they... Japan, TNA. Yeah, I'm not – I don't even – I had no idea he was even in Impact. Oh, yeah, dude, guess, Lan- guess how he, old Lance he Archer could have been in the. He could have been in the Impact show that I watched last <laughs> night for all I know. Guess how old he is. I'm going to Google it right now. He's, like, in his early 40s. I think he's, like, 41. He is 43. Yeah. That's... There's not a lot of juice in that. There's not, but he's been great here. Like He really has. And, and I do think that a lot of the credit has to go to Jake, because as much as we just kind of poo-pooed what he's done for the last couple weeks, he's largely carried this thing with exceptional promos on a week-to-week basis uh, until, you know, maybe hitting a stumbling block the last couple. Sure. So well, and he's... listen, I, I think they, they, a, they hit a clear... Um, home run with those backyard juggalo sort of uh, the vignettes. Like, I think it dusted the Darby Allen ones of a similar sort of vibe. But, like, I, I really think that those, those like, they made him arrive in such a way that I was like, this is such a different look than I've ever considered this guy before. Yeah, there's going to be blood in this match. There's going to be some real hard bumps in this match. 
there's going to be the kind of classic 80s throwback, uh, you know, like WrestleMania 5 main event style drama that we have come to expect from a Cody Rhodes match on this scale, you know, um, which is a lot more <laughs> posing and like, uh, you know, managerial based than actual in-ring wrestling. Sure. But I like we ha we what have we said all along since AEW launched? Like they have found a style for Cody that really works for him. It is distinctly different from the work rate of every single other person on this roster. You tune into an AEW pay-per-view, you are getting a smorgasbord of wrestlers, uh, a smorgasbord of wrestling styles. There's something for everyone. Cody is doing something uniquely different, I think. And like I said, the conditions are here on every level. The managers on both sides, the drama in this build for everything that Cody does well to shine through against this opponent. Uh, again, I do have Lance Archer winning the title here just because you have babyface champions in every other division save for Nyla. And, uh, yeah, it might seem a little bit on the nose if, you know, your male champions are Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Let's, uh, let me ask you a couple really specific questions here, okay? Okay. Which Rhodes brother is going to bleed more on this show? Uh, I'm going to say Dustin, but by accident. <laughs> <laughs> like that answer a lot and as we know jmo well let's be like hang on, dustin's hang on. i gotta keep it moving. Chair, dustin's taking a chair shot from the chairman for sure without question right without question like, yeah absolutely mike tyson is presenting the the inaugural tnt championship does mike tyson get physical with somebody in this match <sighs> does mike tyson punch out jake the snake or does Mike Tyson give Lance Archer the title and then punch out Lance Archer? Or does Cody does the arena the match by attacking Mike Tyson? Does the arena match somehow spill into the backstage area and Sammy Guevara meets Mike Tyson? Like, I really think of all the people who would be best to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Sammy is the guy, like, he's the most memeable person on Dynamite. <laughs> um, but he's not in this match, so he, they'd have to work something out i guess i think i think you get a, a cody mike tyson uh moment i don't know how cody comes out of that looking good though i think he turns heel oh yeah you are you've been calling for the cody heel turn all along. i think yes and that would be the natural place to do it after he suffers another enormous pay-per-view loss you might be onto something there something to think about uh but i also have him losing to lance archer here uh, in a start of what I hope is like a, a good run for Lance Archer here. Can get a, a good little thing going and build somebody and else off a win there. Let's be clear, Josh. If and when Cody turns heel, his first program has to be against a babyface Sean Spears. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you know we're getting that at some point. That's happening. Oh, probably. Lifetime. Oh, yeah, My absolutely. JMO, this show is main evented by one of the greatest wrestlers on earth, John Moxley. Big fucking Mox. He's taking on Brody Lee, the former Luke Harper, uh, in a so, – can you call this a rematch? I suppose not. They're different people, but we've seen these guys go one-on-one -on -one before for a belt. And it was good before. It was very like, good. This, their feud in WWE was very, very good, which is why, like, when people say, oh, we've seen these feuds before in WWE, like – yeah, if they're good, you can go back to them. And if they, even if they were bad, you can still go back to them and try to redeem them because Mox Jericho in AEW was awesome. Yeah, I don't the, know. The, this doesn't feel like a retread to me. It really does The doesn't. Ambrose Asylum match was terrible, you know? Like, it's okay to go back and try to write 
wrongs of the past as well. No, you're right. It doesn't feel like a retread because the Dark Order, you know, <laughs> I was going to say the Dark Order is wildly different from the, the Wyatt family. It's not necessarily, but it also is at the same time. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, and Mox is a different guy now. He gets to present himself how he wants to be presented, and it's working very, very well. What do you think of expectations for this match? I don't know that it goes on last, honestly. Ooh. Like, I just I don't know that this will deliver to the level in ring that you would expect of a pay-per-view main event, and that's why I do kind of think the stadium stampede will go on last. Interesting. Uh, but if it does, like, I still have hopes that these guys are going to do well. And I also think it speaks well to AEW that you did hot shot Brody Lee right into the main event picture, right into the main event of his first pay-per-view. Like, that is important to establish these guys as real top heels like Archer both and and him like the fact that both these guys debuted at the same time and are in the co-headlining singles matches of this show like that's really important to the development of this company and being able to uh you know create bankable stars outside of the guys from the elite I I think that's a really uh, good decision and I think like they're gonna have a good match I think They've they've built it up well enough, you know. Jr. has done a good enough job on commentary too, being like the Brody Lee, the bastard. You know, Mox isn't gonna put up with this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I really think there like there is something to J- Jim That's Ross. So funny swearing on commentary, calling someone a bastard or an asshole and saying like, you know, a guy like Mox ain't going to put up with crap like this. (laughs) Like there is an edge to that that sells like the danger of a match in a way that like someone clean and professional who's never going to say crap or bastard or whatever, like, you know, whether it's Michael Cole or Tom Phillips is never going to get across. I'm also picking uh, John Moxley here. I, I think it's pretty clear that he's going to win. I'd be surprised if Brody Lee wins. Um, I think as a whole, I looked this card up and down. I was thinking this last night, and I don't see what like your burner, like your barn burner, must see singles matches on it. In terms of like the the in ring, you know how every WWE card has like some sort of like oh those two guys are going to really get after it. I don't know that this card has. Yeah. One. Yeah, you're probably right. I do. I know what we just said about, you know, the parameters that Cody works in, not necessarily being ring work. Yeah. I do think that is a real high selling point, though, of this card, that match in particular. Oh, for me, for sure. I just don't know how you don't do Orange Cassidy versus Ray Phoenix on this card instead of on TV. Yeah, you're right. You're you're very much right. I think this card needs needs something like that, like your singles, high-end work rate thing going for it. But I couldn't be more excited to watch this, JMO. We've got to move on to questions to get you out of here on time. Anything else you want to say about Double or Nothing before we move on to the mailbag? Uh, just that I'm really excited about it. Me too. And, uh, you know, I, I I do find myself looking forward to this show even more than WrestleMania. Oh, even. for sure like, for me. This feels much more normal than any other pay-per-view we've had built to over the quarantine period. Yeah. Okay, JMO. First question this week comes to us from Angus McLeod at Big Mac, Big underscore Mac 181, who asks, Who do you think will be the first AEW world champion that's not a former WWE guy? Uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah. That was, gotta yeah, be. it's got to be Kenny. How about besides him? Because I, I thought of this question last night, and outside of Kenny, I legitimately think Ray Phoenix or Pentagon might be most likely. Yeah, Pentagon I'd probably lean. Though I you know, I did pick Ray to win the ladder match, which would give him a title opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. Does it work like money in the bank? Like I have they really I don't explained think we it? No, it just says a title that, opportunity. Like, 
yeah, are you going to cash it in, push the chip in when you want to, or is it to create a match? We don't really know at this point. I feel like <laughs> the cash-in thing would just be stealing money in the bank too much, maybe. But also, Jericho invented it, and he's in the company now, so, you yeah, know, whatever. There you go. <laughs> Jim, our next question this week. It's not intellectual property theft when the guy who created the thing is now yeah. somewhere else. I think that's how that thing works. It's just like blood and guts versus war games. You don't get to steal... Dusty's inventions from Cody, you know, like it doesn't that doesn't seem right to me. Is there any outsider pick who's never been in WWE that could win that belt? Orange Cassidy? Uh, nah, I mean, top. we were asked if Orange could ever win the, the title. I think he's a surefire TNT champion oh, for sure. For sure. And they'll build that AW, up to feel huge. Yeah, AEW I'm less convinced on. Um Luchasaurus could be a champion. Oh, yeah. I could yeah. see Luchasaurus having the AEW title. Maybe in like an Absolutely. Undertaker way. Like never has it for long, but has it for like a moment just to establish that he is like still a big deal. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like even people on the babyface side who've never been in WWE. Hangman. A hangman seems oh. like a clear pick to for sure be a champion at some point. I think Omega holds it before him. I do agree with that. Or should, sure. at least. Next question, JMO, comes to us from Rick Flube getting oh. atomic drops at It Looks Real, and he asks, with Becky gone, coupled with the fact that Sasha has never had a real run as champ, is it better for her to stay in the long-term story they're building for her and Bailey, or to have her bail and have a big run with the Raw women's belt? Uh, stay with what they're doing with Bailey, because when this eventually does pay off, she's going to get that run with the SmackDown title when she takes it off Bailey. And I think the person who's been held down by Becky's success the most is Asuka. Like, Asuka is getting the run that she always should have had on the main roster right now. Like, you know, e even when they brought her up and she was on her undefeated heater, it was just a job to Charlotte at Mania, right? Like, she's never really gotten to be the person that she was in NXT on the main roster. And I do think she's going to get that right now because they are counting on her to be the Becky fill-in. She is going to get the Nia feud. She is going to get the Shayna feud. Everything that was in store for Becky down the line is going to go to Asuka. She's going to do a great job with it. Like, would Becky or Sasha do better? Probably. I say yes. But also, like, I love Asuka. I think she's been so good during the quarantine era, she deserves this run, and I would not make the decision to take it away from her. It's so tricky, because if I had absolute faith that they'd execute on the Sasha Bailey program, I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly. But they've like been so close to pulling the trigger on it and then not gone time and time and time again. And it's starting to feel a bit like a Ciampa Gargano thing, where it's like, oh yeah, those two, right, that... But that is the clear thrust of the Bailey championship storyline here, right? For, like, for sure, but it has been before as well. Yeah, they did that, like, locker room beatdown There was angle. that, and then even in the lead-up to Mania against the Iconics, they kept teasing that one of them was going to turn. Like, oh, oh, And I think I'm forgetting times, too. Like, there's... So, I don't know. I, I would almost rather see Sasha just get a belt and go on a run, to be honest. like The, the thing is, like, every time they've approached this... We've always talked about the problem that Sasha turning uh, would be a baby-faced moment. Like her just unleashing sure. on her friend, even though it, would, it should signal a heel turn. It would be exactly like Becky attacking Charlotte, right? People would go crazy for it. She would be the biggest baby-faced star to come out of that angle. Uh, and you've kind of put yourself in a position where that's not a problem anymore because they're both heels. How many minutes and before so, you have to leave? Uh, I got about uh, 10 okay. months to say. Next question comes to us from Wash Your Hands. Wes Watanko asks, 
If you were to have a Mount Rushmore of ECW, who else would be on it? They make some joke about Tommy Dreamer who shouldn't be on it. Who would be your Mount Rushmore of ECW? Uh, well, I think you have to start with one name, obviously. Yeah. One name that changed the business forever, really. Set the company on a path to legendary success. And that name is obviously, I mean, I don't even have to say it, Josh. You know who I'm going to say. It's Beulah McGillis. Yeah, of course, Beulah. Who amongst <laughs> us could forget? Uh, no, I think Rob Van Dam has Gotta to Gotta have RVD. RVD and Shane Douglas are non-negotiables to me. Uh, to me, like, Shane could be on the outside. Dude, honestly. Shane invents that company. He takes the NWA belt, puts it in the garbage, goes on television, says, I'm hardcore now, and then main events all their pay-per-views for two years. There's, there's, yeah, no, there's no way around it. That is true, but also, like, if I'm going to dig back into the archives to watch an ECW match, does Shane Douglas crack my top four of guys I'm looking no, for? No, but neither does Hulk Hogan, and you can't have a Mount Rushmore without him. That's true, yeah. It's not, it's not a discussion about who had better matches. It's a discussion of importance. Yeah. Uh, RVD, I, I'll, I'll, fine, I will accept Shane Douglas. Okay, we got we two. We got, now we got it. we'll come to a consensus on the next two, then. How about that? We'll do sure. a shared top marks ECW Mount Rushmore. Sure. Uh, uh, does Sabu have to be there? I feel like he does. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I absolutely agree with you. Because my list does something that I don't like, which it leads the Dudleys off. But I don't know how you get around Sabu. Like, when you think about, like, again, who's at the top of the card? Who's holding the belt? Who's in the meaningful feud? Sabu is, like, in that space forever. And, like, he's so entertaining in the ring. That his you know? theme still creeps me out. Like, it gives me chills. It's like, oh, my God, something's going to happen. Like, oh, my Lord. Like, I, thi I think both of us might be inclined to pick Sandman as the fourth guy here. Yeah. But, like, I don't know that Sandman's in ring. Like, I think Sandman's in ring might, like, exclude him. There's so know? many guys who are arguable for that fourth spot, I feel like. Even in these bottom uh, two. On the right day, I'd pick somebody else. But I do think I have to go with Sandman. Most title runs, the moments. Like, when you think of ECW moments, it's like he is at the top of at least two of them in the... So, yeah, I'll, I'll go Sandman. Who, who do you also have for that fourth spot? <sighs> uh, Raven, maybe. But I also feel like a lot of his definitive stuff was in WCW. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's tied to other promotions. Even ROH has some of his best stuff. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Who else? Can I pitch Who some else? other names? Absolutely. Taz. Good. Yeah, Taz. Bubba Ray Taz, was, Taz is the one that's escaping me. To me, it's got to be Taz. I put Taz ahead of the Sandman for sure. See, I like Taz like, in that spot. He's just there for so much shorter than all the other guys. Yeah, but like 98-99 Taz, man, is so <laughs> cool. So unreal. You, don't, you can just look at him, and you know everything about him. Like, he doesn't have to speak, and he's great at speaking. That's – so. Yeah. I'm with to you. To me, it's Taz. I'll go with you to there. So who, who's our four? It's Shane Douglas, Rob Van Dam, Taz, Sabu. and Sabu. Yeah, I like that. All right, there we go. All right, next one comes to us from the uh, Trixie Rabbit at Matt Rainus, and he asks, with all of us in quarantine getting more desperate for content by the minute, what's the most obscure piece of wrestling-related media you'd recommend? Do you want me to take this one? Sure, go ahead. Can I talk about stuff I've already talked about on the show? Yeah, absolutely. Last year's Endo versus Takashita match at the top of DDT Pro's Peter Pan show. DM me if you need the link to it. It's, I think, like a 41-minute match. It's phenomenal. It, it absolutely rocks. No one on earth has seen it. 
Uh, aside from that, Big Japan has been starting putting up a lot of their stuff online, and like they're mostly a Japanese deathmatch feud, which is not very good. But they have a strong division, Big Japan Strong. I saw a guy on Instagram post about it a couple weeks ago. So I was watching some of their matches, and it's just it's all hoss battles. And uh, so if you're feeling uh, thirst for hoss battles, uh, go to Big Japan's website. Okay, I'm going to go a completely radical different direction sure. from you. And, uh, you know, your recommendations are going to be much, much better ultimately here uh, because I think people will enjoy them in a way that they might not enjoy what I'm going to sure. say, which is uh, watch Ready to Rumble. Oh, know? yeah, sure. I, 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 I have never seen it, but I want you got to. to. I, want, I want to, especially now that we look back at that entire David Arquette era of WCW in a completely different light in lieu of him completely redeeming himself on the indies. I, th- I would recommend that you go back and watch that and have a good time with that. Uh, and my other one would be uh, the WWE comic books that have been ah. coming out, I think, on Boom is the name of the imprint there. I uh, bought the NXT book that they put out a couple years ago. I had a great time reading it, um, even if it's just like fictionalizing a bunch of feuds that actually did take place in NXT. There's one on like the origins of the Shield. The, the WWE comic books, like... It's a weird thing because you're like uh, heightening the drama of something that's already basically comic book drama. But, uh, you know, I, especially with the weather turning, to me, there's nothing better than sitting out on the patio enjoying a cool beverage and reading a wrestling comic book. Final question of the week, JMO, comes to us from Andy Lau at A Loud Brother, and he asks. Given WWE's market dominance, despite a history of problematic behavior, do AEW New Japan have glass ceilings to their success because of their more talent friendly approach? I mean, it's going to cost. It, it's hard to talk about it as one issue. It's it's more of an umbrella. So, like, let's speak specifically to like healthcare for for all people. It's expensive to do out the gate, which is limiting, but I think also makes you attractive to like a level of low medium end talent that you wouldn't otherwise. Like top guys on the indies who need healthcare and have surgeries that they need done. It makes you really appealing to them. So, there's some give and take on both. What do you think, JMO? I do think the creative freedom is a huge angle as for well, sure. right? Like, a lot of the people who got released from WWE, even if they didn't want their release to come during a pandemic, might have been happy to go somewhere that they're going to have more input on what they do. And uh, it's funny that we would say this in a week where Raw had great success, very much feeling like a written TV mm-hmm. show, you know? Everything that we said in complimentary uh, terms of, towards raw this week is that characters had motivations and everything made sense in storyline like it felt more like a show that had writers than it has in a very long time uh that's great for plots but you should be allowing these guys to drive their own characters and drive their own uh promos in particular you know i think the promo side of aw has just been kicking the shit out of WWE for the last year here. So on whole for sure. Uh, there there is something enticing I think to want to work there. Like I think, you know, a guy like Rusev we all expect to turn up there because he'd just be uh unleashed in a way that WWE like refused to ever allow him to be. And yeah, that's got to that's got to work in your favor, I think, uh, as a company to to be attractive as a landing spot. Uh, for people from a health and body perspective, if they're going to get health care, and as well from a like creative fulfillment perspective. Because I think we have to remember that when people like The Revival 
turn down these big money offers to leave the company is because they are artists ultimately and they want artistic fulfillment beyond economic security. I think specifically to Andy's question, I, I think the glass ceiling probably has more to do with just the casual person thinking WWE is wrestling in conjunction with them being fully unaware of their problematic behaviors. So I don't think people are tuned in enough for it to be limiting to New Japan in or AEW in that specific way. I think it's more just their sort of dominance over the, the social discourse surrounding wrestling. Yeah, I mean, we've been watching Dark Side of the Ring for the last several months. Oh, and we got to talk about the Owen makes, episode. You got to go? It all makes WWE look terrible, but uh, like, is anybody not going to watch Raw because they watched the Owen Hart episode of Dark Side of the I Ring? I am not. Like, yeah, I can't I can't make that call, you know, uh, partly because I've made wrestling part of my job and my work. But like, you know, even if I didn't, I would still feel that like siren song call to watch Raw on a Monday night, I think. at this. And point. for me, because I already wear clothes made by children, I've just decided to, to <laughs> pack in the bag and try and absolve myself of all moral guilt of anything I enjoy. OK, uh, boy, did that. Oh, what episode break my heart last night, but we don't have time to get into it. Shouts out to Martha Hart coming across like a star and a real powerful person. Oh, unbelievable. She's so wonderful. And the son, what is it, Oge or OG? I, Oge. Oh, my Oge, goodness. Yeah. Lord almighty, if it, uh, you got to be dad's looking down, smiling, proud at that kid. Well spoken. And same same for everyone involved. Surprised at no Foley, though. I was really looking forward to hearing some of those stories. You always speak super fondly of Owen. Okay. JMO, send the kids home happy for the week. You got uh, Wrestle Central on Sunday? I sure do. We'll be breaking down AEW's latest pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, after the fact. Trying to maybe bring in a guest for that. I know that, uh, you know, I was doing these roundtable shows after pay-per-views for the last several months before uh, quarantine shut everything down. And now that we're opening up again, maybe I can have a guest. And even if not in person, perhaps uh, on Skype or through the phone or something like that. We'll see. Um, You know, one of the guys who spoke in the Owen Hart documentary as well. Uh, Jimmy Corderas is somebody that I've been meaning to have on the show for a very long time, and technically he is a Sportsnet employee as well. So maybe Jimmy will make an appearance, if not this week, then next. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, but yeah, uh, and uh, someone pooped in my hallway this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll touch on that next week, hopefully with an update. Uh, if you want <laughs> yeah, more, more to hear more of the sound of my voice, you can go check out my other podcast, Your Bad Childhood. This week was a great jumping on point as we just talked about the process and reviewing the 32 items from people's childhoods that we have reviewed to find out if they hold up under a modern lens go give that a check out your bad childhood always love it always enjoy listening to the boys talk about things i used to love (laughs) and now have learned to hate but until next week jmo pepperoni sticks Sticks. say yeah yeah. wow we're nailing that without a video portion i know right that's not bad not bad bad at all anyways i gotta run Run to work bud goodbye i love you Titus Worldwide!